Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for being with us today for this series called Adventures of the Awakened Heart. Uh, the purpose of this is to really help people, especially during this tumultuous time, to really get connected in to their heart and to inspire and empower people around the world with the stories um, that we bring to this podcast. So uh, my name is Julie Tara, and I'll be your host here. You can find out more about me at julietara.com. And I'm really thrilled to be doing this. Um, it just felt like a very inspired thing. And today I'm super excited because I get to bring in my beautiful friend, Brigitte Mars. Brigitte, thank you so much for being with me. Brigitte and I have known each other for 30 years or so. We were just figuring that out. It's pretty incredible. And um, I'm just gonna let you know a little bit about Brigitte. Brigitte Mars is a herbalist and nutritional consultant of natural health with over 50 years of experience. She has taught herbal medicine at many prestigious centers all around the world, including Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado, and the School of Health Mastery in Iceland. Brigitte is the author of many books, which you can find through her website, and I'll put the link below. And her latest project, super exciting, is a phone app called iPlant. Brigitte has also been a well-loved guest on Healing Matrix with Sue Morta, Inspirations with Lisa Gar, and Psychedelica, all on Gaia. And this is especially, this is about interviewing our Gaia members. And we're very blessed because Brigitte is not only a Gaia member, but a guest on several shows and most beloved. Um, please check out her website at www.brigittemars.com. And it's really rather fortuitous, Brigitte, that today is February the 1st, and it is this day of Imbolc in the Gaelic tradition, uh, which is the day of Bridget. And it's so beautiful that we're doing that today. And she's a, a, a goddess, and one of the stories about her, and it's so you, I just want to say this is she walked through the forest and everywhere she walked snowdrops appeared where her feet landed on the sacred earth and i think that is just so exactly who you are to me so thank you thank you yeah bridget and freya are supposed to be this you know one goddess many names and it, it comes from the root word a bride bride of god and also bringer like bringing together and uh, bridling um anyways and bridge so they all come from the same root word britain is also named after her wow that's amazing i never knew that uh-huh. and i do feel we're bridging right now this sort of old crumbling earth to a new earth and a new time and a golden age i feel like you are one of those very important rainbow bridges in my life and in many, many lives around the world. Oh, bless you. Thank you, Julie. You really are. Well, since since we're here with Gaia initially, my first couple of questions are about Gaia and you. And so as part of the Gaia community, how long would you say you've been on the path of spiritual awakening? I, I think I remember being a child and looking up at the stars, probably, you know, maybe nine years old and thinking, you know, who am I? Uh, Is there life after death? Is there life on other worlds? Will I ever know the answers? And I think that was probably, you know, just a a heart's longing 
but it, it probably even goes before that. I had a Catholic mother and a Jewish father, and I really respect that they had a long, um, relatively happy marriage together, even though she spoke French, he spoke English, he, you know, they were different religions, and yet they found a way to make it work. And I think that was very inspirational to me. And But one thing they had in common was there's angels in both religions. So I always felt this sense of, um, you know, calling on the angels and being comforted by angelic presence. And I, I had a brother that died as a baby. I, I never met him. He died when he was in the hospital. So there was this, you know, sadness in our house. <clears throat> but I think the death makes us also think about you know, is there life after death? Will we ever meet again? And so even though death is a, a harsh teacher on this world, I think it also makes us think about what is there beyond. Wow, absolutely. I never knew that, that you had an older brother. I never knew that after all these years. I know, I do know your house is filled with goddesses and angels and fairies. We can see them in the background. And I always love that because we have such a fairy connection. Um, that's very powerful. And didn't you grow up in like a teepee or something? Did I make that up? No, you didn't make that up. I, I went to an all girls boarding school, Miss Hall School for Young Ladies. My parents were hoping to keep me, shelter me from the burgeoning hippie movement that was going on in the world. And um, even in uh, boarding school, I was sort of an alternative health practitioner for my students because I was the only vegetarian in the school. I did yoga, I meditated, and I was just like turning every class project I had into a way to learn more about herbs. Um, you know, so I would write my papers on uh, herbal medicine during the French Revolution or plantas medicinales de Mexico or, you know, plant chemistry. And, um, but I, I ended up being expelled from Miss Halls for some of the herbs that were in my drawer. But you know, before <laughs> that, the young ladies would come to my room for their cramps and their headaches. And they say, hey, try some of this. Like I read chamomile tea work, see what happens. So I would just, you know, dispense these herbs to them. And even though I was a kid, I felt this strong connection that these plants have been used by millions of people for thousands of years. And, you know, that's certainly good enough for my grandmother who certainly didn't have the privilege of the education that I had. But soon after Miss Halls, I found myself living in the Virgin Islands, um, helped open up the first uh, natural foods restaurant there called The Magic Door. And then even though I was only 17, I helped, op I ended up becoming the manager of a natural food store called The Health Nut but the crime got really intense in the islands and you know there was that crosby stills and nash song we gotta get back to the land you yeah. know so um one of the things in the hippie movement which i uh, sounded very appealing to me you know uh, freedom peace love um you know and the war in vietnam which was a big topic then um natural health um we bought land in the ozarks in missouri and I did live for two and a half years in the teepee and, you know, had my um, daughter Sunflower was a toddler and then my daughter Rainbow was born in the teepee. And uh, that was a great learning experience and wow. also a big opportunity to learn more about plants and what did the natives do? What did the, you know, hill people do in that area? And 
you know, even though people might have said, well, they're, you know, they're just hill people, but I'll tell you, there's a lot of wisdom in them that are hills, as you might say. Oh, yes. And I think this is one of the reasons that, you know, Guy chose you to be on the Psychedelica series is because you have such a wealth of knowledge. And I have to say, it feels to me like you've done this for many, many lifetimes and you're just sort of bringing all your knowledge back again, you know, for the well-being of um, not only humanity, but our planet itself. Um, absolutely. So let's let's talk about this awakened heart. You know, what does what does this awakened heart mean to you? Well, that's a beautiful term. And, you know, to me, you know, I'd say that, you know, my prayer every day is to be of service to humanity, to serve the creator through uh, helping people to choose the plethora of natural plant medicine that's around and helping to uh, empower people so that they can take more responsibility for their health. Because, you know, if you feel good in your body, it's a lot easier to, you know, be of service and help one another and do creative things then, you know, you're locked and you're imprisoned in this, you know, temple that we've been given. So, um, you know, to, and to me, it's reconnecting uh, the plant realm with humanity, because I think that, you know, many of us grew up in an age where those kinds of folk remedies were considered old wives tales. However, I was very inspired by my French Canadian grandmother to see that a lot of those old wives tales were medicine for the people that they were affordable they were available in almost every kitchen and it was really a shame that people um, didn't know what to do and that when we were sick we were someone else was going to be in charge of our health so to me it's sort of a, a spiritual responsibility to take care of this bodily temple and ideally to use remedies that are for the healing of the planet that you know grow that provide pollination for the bees that are you know blessed by the sun and the wind and the rain so uh, to me all of that is a very awakened heart moment to realize that it's they're not just weeds they're like awesome awesome uh, <laughs> I, I remember this vividly when I had my healing center up in Estes Park and, and you would come and take us on herb walks. And I can remember to this day, you, you walking around and going, oh, look at this, this is marrow, this is, this, this is good for headaches and this. And it was like seeing the land, which it's so beautiful up there, it's so wild, but you wouldn't know that you could eat all those different things that you were pointing out and even recently when i came to your home um, it was a few months ago now but where you, you 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 walked around the nettles you know now nettles we always had stinging nettles in england and and i told you i remember falling in them off my bike and falling in a whole thing of stinging nettles and being stung all over so i i, I wasn't really a fan of stinging nettles but you you showed me and you taught me and then we went inside and you made nettle juice and it was delicious and i i know when i was in bulgaria we had nettle nettle soup and it was delicious so there's a way to work with something like nettles that's so powerful so always when i'm with you i'm brought back to the land and i i love our land i love the environment i, I love our planet earth so much and so i feel like with you, that awakened heart is very much awakening to the heart of, of Gaia herself mm. and the heart of 
I would say our, our cosmos because you introduced me to the Urantia work, which was amazing and is amazing. And, um, you know, I read that and get really stirred, you know, deeply stirred. And so that helped me awaken. So do you have any stories you'd love to share about times in your life where maybe there was a really big transformation uh, and an awakening occurring in your heart? I'm sure I will share. And um, I want to say thank you for mentioning the Urantia book. I've been reading that since I was 19 years old. And to me, that was also a, an awakening like, wow, maybe there are some answers to those soulful questions about why am I here and what happens after this? And is there life on other worlds? Yeah, trillions of inhabited worlds. That sounds great. And I know Gaia is all about ancient astronauts and who were they or ancient civilizations and all of that but um you know one story i'd like to share um is that i something that happened when i lived in the teepee so i had come to boulder to go to massage school and i came to boulder as a single mother with two little girls um, sunflower and rainbow and i i went to massage school and you know i it's kind of a difficult challenge and I, I met a wonderful man who was my partner for 38 years but we went back to the farm the in the Ozarks the commune where my first husband lived the father of sunflower and um, you know we're living in the teepee and uh, my uh, new partner has said um, boy it'd be really easy to hook electricity up to the teepee and then we could have um, a, a little fan because it's really hot there and we could uh, have a little shop vac to vacuum these rugs from Afghanistan and maybe a little boom box so we could play Jimi Hendrix after the kids were asleep or something like that and I remember one night I went out to close the teepee flaps because you know when you live in a teepee you see the stars at night and there's something really marvelous about living in a round dwelling you know all the animals they make nests and round dwellings and no none of these sharp edges that humans surround themselves in yeah. so i said i'm going to go close the teepee flaps and one thing you're supposed to know in the ozarks is uh don't go out after dusk without your boots on but i thought i'm just going outside to close the teepee flaps and i felt this sharp pain and i i, I looked down and i had just been bitten on the foot by a copperhead snake and I came inside and I'm like, oh, what do I do? I started like flipping through all my books, looking up snake bite, snake bite. And um, one book had like all these Chinese herbs, um, the Barefoot Doctor's Manual, and none of those Chinese herbs were in the state of Missouri. Um, and my partner, bless his heart, he turned on the little shop vac, the little vacuum cleaner and sucked the venom out. Um, and then, which I thought that's really clever because that wasn't in any of the books. <laughs> yeah. But then I did pull out a book on Native American um, herbal medicine and it said to use echinacea. And so um, my partner yelled to the farmhouse and my uh, former husband's girlfriend came down and collected some echinacea because it was growing right near where the snake was. So that's another powerful thing in nature that very often what you need is right there and she made a poultice and I chewed on some root while she made tea. But what changed for me was the next day we went and visited um, this old man who lived, you know, 
down past our farm and he uh, had a donkey that he rode into town once a month and you know a, a real hill person and we asked him like well what do the people around here do for snake bite and you know he he didn't call it echinacea he said well we use that there snake root because that's the missouri folk name for it snake root and I, I really appreciated his wisdom. And he also said something about, you know, you should go put rocks under your arm and lay down in a creek so that when you faint, uh, you won't drown. The rocks will keep you like propped up in the creek, but the cold water would slow down the assimilation of the venom. And, you know, I realized that I had gone to this, you know, wonderful school and yet there was so much I needed to know, especially if I was going to live out in the wilderness. So that really changed my method of learning. Right after that experience, I started highlighting when I read in books. I started uh, cataloging information, um, you know, so I'd have a card on, you know, what's good for arthritis, what foods are good, what herbs are good, what homeopathics, what acupuncture points, um, what essential oils. So it really made me very studious because I realized it was a huge responsibility to live in the wilderness and have small children and not know what to do. And I said, you know, what if it had been one of the children that had been bitten by a copperhead or something um, when there's no doctor around? Um, and so uh, that was a huge wake-up call for me and changed my life. So that was a big one. It's like, you know, resilience to the nth degree. It's like learning survival skills, truly, and self-care on a level <clears throat> that most of us wouldn't even think of, you know, although we do have snakes here, you know, rattlesnakes and so forth, but we don't see them very often. Most no, of and, snakes and, and so and, of course, the sensible thing would have been to go to the hospital, but um, that was like hours away. And so time was of the essence. So thinking quick. So, you know, I wanted to share that. Yeah, that's and, a huge story. I mean, yeah. it's amazing you didn't really get terribly scared. Did you get well, terribly scared? I, I realized that fear was the enemy, that fear makes the venom course through your body even faster. So that staying calm was really important and quick action was really important. Um, and and we didn't have a telephone, so there wasn't like, let's call, you know, there was no one to call, really. So Did your um, foot swell up at all or, you know, what happened? No, I think we acted so quick. And of course, snake bites far away from your heart and your brain are going to be less deadly than like if it happened near your heart or brain. and. Yes. Um, but I, so that was a big learning experience. And I actually have three little heart things I might share. And maybe you have another question for me in the meantime. No, I'd love to, to hear your stories because heart opening and heart awakening happens on so many levels in so many ways. So no, go for it. So, um, you know, when I was growing up, I, you know, I, especially when I was a teenager, I was like very rebellious and, um, you know, thumbing my nose at, society and we're really questioning things like racism and the war and politics and all of that and you know i think because of that my my father worked very very hard and i didn't see him that much it was my mom who was like you know driving me to school and taking me shopping and making the meal so i didn't really understand the the value of the father and um my 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 father passed away when he was younger than i am of cancer and I, I was able to go and see him and show up. But, you know, a, a couple years after that, I had an ayahuasca journey. 
and they sometimes call ayahuasca vine of the soul or vine of the dead and you know i don't know if this is true or my illusion but you know during that journey i i really felt that i was able to have some communication with my father and able to share with him now that i'm a grown up and i realize how difficult it is to raise children even though i didn't maybe see you all the time you were there working to support your family and of course you know what what's a kid think like dad's always gone but it's like i realized that you were doing something and i felt that my dad it makes me a little sad but i felt that he said you know thank you for writing books i love books i'm really proud of you and i felt like you know even though he was gone that we were able to have this great healing opportunity and so um i'm also an an end of life doula now because i you know i think that so often we fear death and we think you know wow that's the great mystery but um to me that was very healing and it really changed my attitude and i felt like you know dad it's like we had a therapy session in you know one night from you know god knows how many millions of miles might have separated us so so that was um another big aha that's a huge huge aha you know many of us um have issues with with parents yeah and 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 often with with fathers and I just want to share this because I've never shared this ever but when my father passed and I had a lot of forgiving to do because he left when I was 11 and we moved to America you know and I was in England <clears throat> and uh I did forgive him and I did let him know that I'd forgiven him before he passed but I want to say this from what you just said about ceremony not long after he passed I had a dream that I was in a Native American ceremony with rattles and drums and we were <clears throat> honoring his passing and then we did something really strange well i i took a part of his brain and ate it in the dream and my father was very brilliant he was a strong academic at UCLA started the department of secondary immunology and wrote a lot of books on Pierre de Chardin in naked ape of homo sapiens and he was very 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 bright and i always felt like i never never got enough you know connection with him around his brilliance and and that was the dream and i woke up and went i know that really happened mm-hmm. on some other plane that really happened and i felt this incredible connection there and he did come and visit me because we had an agreement that whoever died first would come back and talk to the other one and he came many times he would sit on my bed and talk with me and showed up in all kinds of ways so it also took took away my not that i ever had a fear of death i always had a fear of people i love dying that has always been much more of a fear for me than my own death well thank you for sharing that beautiful story and i think that you know both of our stories share that like you know just cuz someone's gone doesn't mean that the levels of healing and forgiveness and appreciation can continue to unfold you know and i do believe that the creator has a plan and that you know it really is about you know open your heart more and forgive more and it can happen in different levels for sure yes yes this weekend a guy and asim harman came and was talking about physics and he was talking about how the universe is always like a cheerleader cheering us on to evolution to higher levels of understanding and and love is a huge piece of it. It was so inspiring Brigitte. I I can't tell you like it was so confirming that he's shown in physics what 
what we learn in spiritual texts, you know, and that forgiveness is a huge piece and keeping the heart open no matter what. You know, I was listening to Ram Das last night and he says, when we close the heart, we feel literal pain. It's mm -hmm. painful to close the heart, mm -hmm. but we do when we're really hurt. But the quest is, can we open it again? Mm -hmm. So your story is really powerful about your dad. And, and I can share one more if you like. Oh um, yeah, we have the time. So, you know, I, I was uh, married to the, the man that saved me from the snake bite um, for 38 years. And then uh, about 10 years ago, he met a, a woman, a young, beautiful woman, and he was sure that she was the love of his life. And he decided that he was leaving and that I worked too much and um, he was done. And I, you know, we had promised and pledged to each other that we would be together forever, um, even hopefully through lifetimes after this and all that. So, you know, and, you know, the idea like, oh, I'm going to be like 59 years old and getting divorced, like, oh, this is terrible and, uh, you know, great, great heartache. Um, and, you know, probably one of the most helpful things was my massage therapist uh, said make a list of a hundred reasons why this is okay and i remember thinking well what's okay about this this is just terrible you know and i started out with like really small things like okay well i don't have to vacuum every day and i don't have to knock myself out making gourmet meals and you know at the same time my best friend who is a very celebrated artist her um, husband died right around the same time and so we both supported each other and, and and made our list you know what's on your list well he's not suffering anymore and I can travel again and I can get back to doing my art so you know we are all going to to die and in the sense you know divorce can be like a death but I kept saying well at least your husband died you know in love with you so um, I did, you know, take homeopathic uh, Ignatia, which is supposed to be good for heartache, and I use bleeding heart, and uh, and I also realized that I was, you know, spending a lot of time telling the story to everyone. Every time I'd see some an old friend, well, how's old, you know, how's your husband? And I, like, tell them the story, and it'd be all teary. And then I realized, you know, I'm spending like a couple hours a day telling this story over and over again and it's really making me dwell on it so i'm going to get it out of me and put it on paper and write it down and if somebody wants the story i'll send it to them but i think that when we keep talking about the the disaster the pain that uh over and over and over again it really kind of keeps us in that loop and i'd say another big opening for me was having to look at um, you know, sometimes the most difficult things in life can be our greatest teachers. And I, you know, I have found love again. I'm, you know, happier now than ever. Um, you know, so that's really wonderful. I didn't think like, oh, who's gonna, you know, at my age or, you know, maybe I am just, I work too much or whatever. Um, but I also kind of had to come to the realization of um, taking some responsibility that, you know, uh, I wasn't really careful about choosing the fathers of my children. I chose this lifestyle. I believe in that whole, you know, free love thing that proved to be very expensive. Um, and, um, but I have to be grateful that I did have someone with me while I raised my children. They grew up with, you know, not too much drama. You know, there was someone who showed up for them. And so 
again, I keep coming to this level of like, okay, you really need to forgive and, and not be, um, you know, holding on to hurt, you know, really only just hurts you. So, uh, and count all the blessings that you have. It's so easy to focus on the few things that are so painful and difficult in life. And yet we have so much. And even though, you know, death and divorce are really hard things. I mean, when you think about what people go through on this planet, losing businesses and losing their homes and fires and war, that it seems to be the nature of humanity. And if we can realize that it gives us an opportunity to feel compassion for what it is, um, that very few of us get through this life without having something that really uh, causes us heart, our hearts to ache and that we need to focus on all the blessings. And even if it's a health issue, you know, we might say my arthritis or my my migraines or something, but to look at, yeah, but look at all the things that are working for you. And hopefully the adversity is a challenge to get us to grow stronger and be more compassionate. Absolutely. It's a very, very powerful story. And, and I, I, of course, remember it being, being your friend. And what, what I remember noticing was that there was, there was a real time piece to it. There was a, there was a time for grieving. It's like that song, you know, um, there's, you know, what is that song? There's a time for everything. Um, turn, turn, turn. <laughs> turn, turn, turn. Right. And, and, and you, you went through so much and I feel like you were very brave because you went to the depths of your sorrow in a very honest and very authentic way. Mm. And you were there as long as you needed to be there until you could, you know, time and healing and exploration and the hundred ways that, you know, this is a good thing and kind of brought you, the universe lovingly brought you, kind of cradled you through, at least that's how it felt to me, cradled you through that devastating loss into a, a life of great celebration. I mean, you you have a wonderful life with a wonderful love and a, you know beautiful friends and everything. And I always felt that like this is going to. I, I felt like this is ultimately going to be really great for my beautiful friend Brigitte, but I don't know how. And I get that it's awful right now, you know. And I thank you and I thank all the, you know, the true friends that show up for you that are um, there to support you. And what, one of my friends said, you know, the heart doesn't really break. The heart is a muscle. And there are things that can help comfort us during times of grief. And, you know, I love how, um, for example, soaking in the bathtub with essential oils can be a place to like cry and cry and cry and oh, just like, oh, let it all out. Because when we suppress grief, it it really can stay in our bodies and make us sick. So I would, you know, like sob and sob in the bathtub and then uh, stay in the tub and let the water out and visualize all my sorrow going down the drain and being comforted by the earth mother. And then, you know, you think of, you know, the history of humanity is, you know, there have been wars and pestilence and some people are losing five children today because of starvation or pestilence or something. And, you know, like these things challenge us. And, you know, the Urantia book says that, you know, 
it's it's been hard here for a lot of people you know for a long time you know you even think about how did it go for jesus you know like it it can be really hard suffering and yet really all we need to do is decide that we want to have eternal life and that we want to survive and go on and some of us have an easier time when we're here um and some some of it is just a life of suffering and so i really became cognizant of that and I've also realized that when I do have a, I think we're very uncomfortable um, talking to our friends about, you know, death or divorce. I think sometimes we don't really know what to say. And so I've, I've learned that this is really an opportunity to extend a friendship and, and give a beloved friend an opportunity to talk and share. But I often find people make, saying, like I often say, make a list of a hundred reasons why this is a good thing. Um, and it can be really hard. I think I started with five and then the list grew to like 125. And then I <laughs> and then I read it to my friends. That was a very liberating moment too. Yes, yes. And then one can sort of shift the story because our brains love to have these stories and we, we assign a lot of meaning to the stories. <clears throat> and it, it feels like you really transform the entire story into something in your favor ultimately. Uh, and, and, and hopefully in, into the, fa the favor of the universe, because as the universe is always like conspiring to, to help us learn. I mean, the lessons, it feels like you really change, you know, like it changed you a lot. I'm sure each of these stories has changed you a lot and how you show up in the world and to others. Yeah. So, so now I'm very, um, I feel a lot more comfortable like helping people through that grieving process. And of course I, you know, apply some of the things from, you know, Asian medicine, nursing the lungs and, you know, what foods and what herbs. But I do think that like water is a great healer. And, you know, we're so blessed um, in Colorado to have numerous hot springs. But, you know, many places in the country have that. And I feel like when we're going through a really hard time to go and soak in the water and know that water is a great reminder to go with the flow and flow like the river and all things pass and all things change and to trust in the universe. Um, yeah. Yes, yes, beautifully said. Um, <clears throat> I'd love to ask you since, I mean, you've really shown how, how it shifted, how you show up in the world. What would you say your heart vision is for the future of our world? And I know that is a huge, um, I, I guess, Julie, the first thing that comes to my mind, you know, since we are in this like crisis that time on earth, and I, I really do feel, and this might sound a little cliche, but when I think about a lot of the things that um, the hippie movement was trying to do 50, 60 years ago, um, organic farming, uh, natural childbirth, herbal medicine, recycling, alternative energy, uh, therapeutic, sacred use of psychedelics, um, community, I don't know if I said recycling, um, you know, creativity, creating art, beauty. Um, what I'm hearing from a lot of young people is like, we got to get some land. We got to create sustainability. We need to learn to grow our own food. And I kind of laugh and say, I've been, I've been saying that for like over 50 years. I'm <laughs> glad you're thinking about doing it. And I'd be glad to tell you some of the, you know, pitfalls that happened as well. Um, so maybe you can avoid some of those. 
and uh, that's the wisdom I, the wisdom right of, of, of being having had all of your life experiences you really can share this with the youth and and help them avoid things as well as go for things yes and you know i think the the hippie movement was also part of that you know sexual revolution and i think that we've had to rethink that because you know this was before stds and you know free love i have a chapter in this memoir i'm writing where the chapter starts out the price of free love was proving to be very expensive um, and so it didn't always work out so great for the ones that ended up you know raising the children on their own and trying to make a living so yeah. um you know, I, I would say, and, um, you know, drug use, that it was not done with intention. And, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of things that I would do say to young people, but I do see that they're, they're wanting to recreate this sustainable get back to the land thing, um, which was a good idea. And to support one another and things like bartering and um, alternative spirituality, that it may not be the religion that our parents taught us about, but it did, um, you know, that maybe there's other things we can explore around the world that resonate with us. And maybe we take a little bit from this and that, and they really all still uh, take us to this place of devotion and uh, worshipfulness. Yes, yes. And, and, I, and I really resonate with that because I feel like my whole life has been this kind of circuitous route of, of but it's all been devotional. It's like in devotion to, you know, God, goddess, the universe source this land our gaia our planet each other um so and we're coming to the end of our time it goes so fast i can't believe it but um you know brigitte with everything that you said and i'm, I'm like so touched it's very rare to meet someone such as yourself in this world who's been really living makes me want to cry this incredible <laughs> truth of being intimate with the all and you really teach that. You really teach your love, you know, it's, it's huge. And uh, so what would you suggest, you know, for our listeners today, you know, is there is there one sort of nugget of wisdom that you could bring to, to help them on their path today, tomorrow? Boy, I often think in um, like the levels of the chakras. So I'm gonna give like seven little things that we might do. And, yes. you know, right now, um, I, I, what I'm hoping is that we emerge from this time because we're recording this, you know, still very much during the time of the, wow, the whatever we want to call it. We don't want to get censored, but uh, the health crises that's affecting our planet. So um, I'm going to start with red, our lower chakra. Like we need to find ways of moving our bodies around that are less polluting. And so, you know, here we are on Zoom. We're finding out that we can learn, we can take a class. Um, that we can, um, you know, even visit with our friends without having to use so much fuel. So drive less. And then orange is about, you know, creating conscious community. You know, who, who are your friends? Get to know your neighbors, sweeten the relationships that you're in, whether it is you need to do therapy or you need just to speak kinder to one another. Um, but really, who are you gonna spend time with and how can you make that better? Um, and then yellow is going to be about um, what are we going to put in our body? Like this is a time not just there's not just one thing that is a, a threat to our health. It's that people 
are, you know, poisoning themselves constantly by choosing the wrong things. People eat the things they're allergic to. Uh, people suffer from addiction. So, you know, get right and look at what you're putting in your body. And a simple thing would be eat all the colors of the rainbow, try to eat a salad every day. Um, okay, so that would be yellow. And then also creating home and hearth. You know, how can you make your living space more beautiful and clean and all that? And then green is about uh, learning to grow more food, eating more local, but we need to start doing edible lawns. We're wasting our nation's resources growing grass. So learn to eat, learn about the weeds that are growing around you because they really are the creator's gift to us. Dandelion is not an enemy and see what you can do about, um, challenging those homeowner association bylaws where you can only grow grass because that's very wasteful that's not going to help humanity and then um and then how can we you know be more green like don't buy those polluting things anymore like learn to clean your house with baking soda and white vinegar and then blue is about uh using our voice for speaking the truth to speak affirmatively to use our voice in a way that is empowering like i can do it i can overcome adversity rather than oh, i'm such a loser you know and then this is where do we want to put our consciousness are we going to just like watch movies and read things that are of, of violence and you know movies that make heroes out of murderers and you know bad people and th that's one thing i love about gaia tv it really does offer an opportunity for expanding consciousness and then you know the crown chakra uh, violet or gold or, or whatever color you want to assign to it is about remembering to connect to source because we're all going to leave the planet sometime and we should be ready because we don't always know when that day is going to be so those are my seven levels for creating a healthier world um, as individuals i love that you just created an entire rainbow bridge for us you know it's beautiful and such wise wise directives um it's, it's fantastic i'm so appreciative of you in my life brigitte and for being here with me today for this podcast um you're just a lovely human being on every level and we're blessed that you're here on the planet at this time the same back at you julie thank you thank you sweetheart much love many blessings to all of you out there bye blessings <laughs>